Long Island's future is our business. The Long Island Association is the region's leading nonprofit and nonpartisan business organization since 1926 and amplifies the voice of the business community. I'm Matt Cohen, the President and CEO, and your host. Let's talk about issues that impact our economy. Hey, this is Matt Cohen, uh, President and CEO of the Long Island Association, and welcome to episode three of our podcast, Long Island's Future, with me, Matt Cohen. Um, excited for this episode because we're going to be talking about uh, one of our main priorities here at the LIA. You know, it's an issue that I think is really the existential issue facing Long Island, and that's affordability and making sure Long Island uh, is affordable enough for young professionals to stay here, raise their families. Uh, you know, it's certainly personal to me as it is to a lot of people because, you know, I have an 11 year old son and a lot of us have children and grandchildren and we want them to have the same opportunities we had to to stay here and live here and raise their families if they want to, too. You know, and selfishly, I don't want to get on a plane to go have to see uh, my son, Jack, or his you know, his kids one day. So, you know, this is a big, big deal on Long Island. Uh, young professionals are facing a lot of challenges. You know, we're a high cost area. We're always going to be a high cost area. And we're doing what we can to try to make it more affordable and more appealing for people to stay here because if they go away for college, we got to make sure we bring them back, right? Um, so how do we do that? At the LIA, part of our vision is talking about housing, right? It's hard to save for a house, for a down payment for a house when you're paying for your apartment, childcare maybe, transportation if you take the train somewhere, student student loans, car, phone, everything else. How do you save 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 dollars for a down payment? Um, it's just not it's not it's not something it's not good. Uh, so we got to try to work on that and have more uh, more affordable rental apartments, more multifamily housing, more home ownership opportunities. We got to figure that out. We have to have better access and availability of childcare, right? I mean, we've been talking about childcare as an economic development issue for years now, but I think the pandemic, one of the the consequences of the pandemic was to realize uh, how just how important childcare is to the economy. Transportation, we have to keep improving um, our transportation network and our the Long Island Railroad and, and make more trains available and the bus system. Um, the highways and roads have to be better because what businesses and, and, and young people want to stay here when you're going on a pothole every other mile on the LIE. Uh, and we have to have downtowns that are vibrant, right, to be and, and have affordable um, apartments down there too. So, and, and finally, we also need to make our economy more inclusive and I think that's also going to uh, speak to having more young professionals here as, you know, generations, as, the, as we go into future generations, you know, there's more and more of a realization that we need a more diverse, equitable and inclusive economy. Because that's, again, not just the right thing to do, but it's good for business. It's good for young people. And it's good for creativity and thought process and everything else. So um, with that said, I'm really excited because I'm actually here with a couple of guests today. It's um uh, to talk about this, and they can really speak from it from a personal point of view. Dan, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, you know, where you live now, and what do you do? Yeah, thanks, Matt, and uh, the entire LAA staff, as well as Stacy. So my name is Dan Lloyd. I'm from Wine Dance, Long Island, Suffolk County. I live pro uh, currently in North Amityville, and I have an organization called Minority Millennials. So we are actually celebrating our fifth year we started in 2017 as a way to bridge the gap between policy and culture. And we've grown into a fully functional uh, nonprofit 501c3 organization that helps young people of color access jobs, build wealth, 
and become civically engaged. And I'll just uh, finish off with saying, as you Matt, Matt as you mentioned, that uh, you know demographics plays a huge role into the economy. And we know now with the 2020 census that Long Island's demographic is quickly shifting. And so uh, we advocate for that emerging generation specifically of color when it comes to economic development and uh, just quality of life issues. So Thank looking you, forward right. to this conversation. Great. And congratulations on your five year anniversary, Dan. You know, uh, I think what you're doing, you're just doing some great stuff. Uh, you know, we I really like getting to know you. And, um, you know, for our listeners out there, the LIA has a young professionals committee and we did a, a really awesome networking event with uh, Dan and minority millennials. And I'm um, really looking forward to our partnership, Dan. And, and Dan, you have you have young kids, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get in, I'm going to get in trouble if my wife ever listens to this. Yes, I have a beautiful <laughs> I have a beautiful wife. I have a three year old daughter and a newborn, so three weeks old. And I'm going to make the excuse that I'm tired. I'm not getting any sleep, so that's why <laughs> I have to mention. God bless you, Dan. All right, now I'd like to introduce my other guest, uh, Kelly Coglin, who I've known for uh, you know, really since I think I started the LIA about ten years ago. Uh, Kelly, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, you know, what do you do, et cetera. Thanks for having me, Matt. Um, my name is Kelly. I, I grew up in Port Jefferson, uh, Long Island. I, I floated between Vermont and Boston and New York City for about 10 years for various school and work opportunities. I, I moved back to Long Island about seven plus years ago, um, and, I, and I'm working for Tritex. Uh, development team focusing primarily on our Long Island multifamily, uh, you know, mixed use projects, uh, typically situated in downtown walkable communities proximate to public transit. Um, I don't have any children, um, but do have a bunch of nieces and nephews, a few sisters, uh, and their and their young families all live within about a 30 minute drive. Awesome. And uh, like I said, I've known Kelly for a long time now, really, Kelly, you're the best, you know, I think that and um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Kelly actually joined our Young Professionals Committee at its inception. So um, she's very familiar. You know, she's really. Uh, I'm aging out. Yeah. I, you know, I think I just aged out, unfortunately. So <laughs> that's why Stacy runs it now. Um, so why don't we just get into uh, into this conversation and, and, and chat a little bit. And, you know, either one of you can jump in. But why don't we start with Kelly? You know, Kelly, do you think Long Island is a challenging place for young people to grow in their careers and start and raise a family? And, and why is that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I certainly think it is. I mean, you read articles and polls and surveys, and the same handful of issues continue to the top of the list, including you know childcare and housing and taxes. Um, you know, I, I come at this question through the lens of a housing developer, um, and so I may I may be preaching to the choir a bit here, but you know, if you take a look at our peers, you know, Westchester and Southwest Connecticut, Northern New Jersey. Take a look at the island's tight vacancy rates. We recognize that there is indeed a shortage of rental housing on Long Island. Um, and that in turn has detrimental cost of living implications. So our high cost of living here and our lack of adequate housing options, you know, it's it's one of the reasons that's led to this, you know, quote unquote exodus of both younger and older populations from the island. Um, and, and so without a growth, without an increase of supply in, in rental housing options, you know, our, our economy is certainly prone to stagnation. And I, I do think if we want to be able to compete for those, you know, workers of tomorrow, it's incumbent on us in order to keep, you know, to keep pace with our neighboring competitive markets. And, and that includes offering a diverse menu of housing options. And if you take a look at, at Long Island, you know, as I mentioned, 
a severe supply-demand imbalance with respect to multifamily housing. And that affordability issue will continue to persist until that supply-demand you know, uh, balances out. Um, but if you take a look at, at our housing stock, um, about 75%, about three-quarters of our, of our rental homes were built prior to 1980. Um, and our demographics have changed drastically over the past 40, 50 years. Um, you have married couples with children, uh, households with married, you know, uh, households consisting of married couples with children have nearly, you know, been cut in half. Single person households have doubled. Um, so although our population demographics have changed, our the Long Island housing stock has not kept up accordingly uh, at all. So, right. And, and you know, it's, uh, and you think about, you know, why it's so difficult to build multifamily housing and apartments and, you know, it's still this. It, Think about how far we've actually come, right, in the, in the past decades. That Long Island's, you know, opinions and attitudes have changed, but it's still Long Island. There's still a lot of community resistance to these types of yeah. developments. There's still governmental um, restraint. I mean, you know, there's so many gov- levels of government here, and um, you know, their zoning. It's all about the zoning, and that comes down to the towns and villages. And too many of them don't create an environment where we can get to this housing. Yeah, they're becoming more receptive, but yeah, agreed. Right. Still a long way to go. Dan, what do you think? How's, why is Long Island so challenging to, to, to stay here, to start their careers here and raise a family in addition to the housing? Yeah, I mean, that I think is the, is the key point. But also there's, as you just mentioned, with the zoning and the towns and the villages, but the elected officials are responsive to what the voting base of the town and villages still believes in. And I think there's a connection to that early concept of what Long Island was from Levittown. And but what we a lot of us forget is that Levittown, there was still a lot of um, insistence into attaining the housing. And there was a direct correlation with the middle class, the working middle class. And you fast forward to Long Island now where that working middle class is almost non-existent. And that same type of income from a working middle class person would not be able to afford a single family home. So a lot of the opposition to building uh, housing the the concept is we don't want to destroy the fabric of suburbia. We don't want to get rid of single family housing, which is understandable. But in order to maintain the fabric of Long Island, we are going to have to um, work together to figure out what suburbia looks like moving forward, really for the 21st century, because the financials just does not add up. The, the same working class individual in the 50s would not be able to afford a single family house in 2022. Yeah, you know what? You're so right, Dan. And, and while Long Island was the first suburb in the country, right? We, we're, we're an old suburb. We started suburbia. Uh, we have to evolve and grow into a 21st century suburb, right? And the suburban way of life. And that's different than what it looked like, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. You're right. Yeah. And it doesn't take away from who we are, you know, that, and I think right. that's, the, that's the fear, you know, that we're going to lose the, the beautiful region that we have and the quality of life that we have. And and I don't believe that. And I think it's up to our generation to really carry that mantle and clarify the story and clarify the solution. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, I have a question for you, Kelly. Do you think, you know, you, Tritech's an amazing company, Tritech Real Estate. They've done really some tremendous residential and commercial projects here on Long Island, invested millions and millions and millions of dollars in various projects. Um, so, you know, do you think state-of-the-art tri-tech projects, like what you did in, in Patchogue, what you're doing at the Ronkonkoma Hub, do you think they've made an impact at providing a cool place for young people to live? Yeah, I think, you know, short answer, yes. I, I do believe our projects have helped provide, you know, 
cool places, not just for young people who do make up about 35% of our runners, but, you know, I think for, you know, to help create these live workplace places for our entire region, um, our projects and other similar multifamily developments in these walkable, you know, transit proximate communities, I think they help lay a foundation and provide almost like an impetus for revitalization efforts. You know, when we decide to move forward with a project, it's because we believe in that community and it's in our interest to see the community thrive. You know, the success of the community only helps drive the success of our projects and vice versa. You know, and as you mentioned, we invest tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars into each one of these communities that we build in. And I think it helps drive excitement um, and also increase that community and investor confidence. You know, Patchak, I think, is a good example. Um, we, we invested $112 million in New Village at Patchogue. It's got 291 apartment homes and 46,000 square feet of retail and, and then some office space. Um, and over the past two decades, Patchogue's seen, I think it's been over 50 new businesses at this point, uh, 50 new businesses and shops and restaurants, over 700 multifamily homes. Uh, they've had a total of $700 million uh, in economic growth in this really small 2.2 square mile radius that makes up the village. Um, so I, I do think these types of projects help, you know, help provide a, a, a framework or, or lay some ground um, in, in creating some transformational impacts in these areas. It's a great point. You know, um, when you have, you know, the apartment complexes, like uh, the apartment development, like you had in Patchogue, that leads to and fosters new business growth, right? Businesses want to come here, start mm-hmm. here grow here. They want to be a part of Patchogue. Patchogue, you know, I'm just using that as an example, but, you know, there's certainly other downtowns that are doing it. You know, Patchogue is a great place to live. If I if I weren't married and, and now 40 years old, I would be living there in my 20s in an apartment. It's awesome. And mm-hmm. it's all connected. And, you know, if you have the housing, you're going to have the businesses. And if you have the businesses, you're going to have the jobs for the people in the housing. It's just, you know, it's uh, you're really doing some great stuff. And I hope you hope you keep it up. Um <laughs> Actually, you know what, before I get to Dan, is there, uh, you know, from what you can tell us, what's the next big tri-tech project in terms of apartment housing that maybe people don't know about yet or you're in development now to get it going? Um, well, we're currently under construction on two projects, one um, in downtown Bayshore. Um, it was the old Toro College uh, site. It's, uh, it'll be 418 units um, opening up the first phase in, in 23, summer of 23. Um, and then we have phase two, um, currently under construction in our Ronkonkoma hub project, which is directly across from the Ronkonkoma hub train station. And that will be the, um, that will be our, you know, that will be the, our Ronkonkoma hubs, quote unquote, downtown. So we're putting in 381 apartment units there with about 73,000 square feet of retail and 15,000 square feet of office space, which will soon be our headquarters, Tritec's new headquarters. Oh, really? That's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Is that where you're going to be working out of? That's what I'll be working out of. Very cool. Um, Dan, I have a question for you. Uh, you know, you've really started a movement with uh, minority millennials to embrace our region's diversity and, and build collaborations with businesses. You know, you have a collaboration with us now. You know, what successes have you seen so far? Why don't you tell us a little bit more about it and um, what you know, what successes and what challenges you've seen? Yeah, I think... Uh, specifically would be just getting that bridge to information. You know, I've had the privilege just because of, uh, you know, my passion to kind of run around Long Island and just, you know, peek, you know, my nose into all these different opportunities and see what's there. And then to go back and share that to our organization, we now have over 200 members 
within minority millennials as from Nassau and Suffolk County. And a large portion of our membership are solopreneur uh, entrepreneurs um, are, uh, you know, starting up clothing businesses and storefronts. And so we've really been able to connect them to uh, small business grants, different um, startup capital. One of the biggest barriers, to be quite honest, he was in order to even get access to capital, specifically a low interest loan, you have to show $10,000 in the revenue. And so what we've been able to do is help some of these business owners build up business credit by building up their own personal credit. And then when you build up your your business credit, you have access to, um, it's not a dollar amount, but it's still currency. And you can utilize that to leverage to build your business. And so I think it's really just being able to tap into the existing Long Island economy and kind of bring and trickle down some of that information into our demographic as we continue to grow. And, and it's really cool to see one of the individuals we've been working closely with, his name is JT. We did an event with him back in 2018. We had a Shark Tank event at uh, the Huntington Launchpad. And he is now actually, I don't know if, he, if you've spoken to him, Kelly, but I connected him with uh, Jimmy Jr. and Chris. Yeah, yeah. And so he has a, a huge art and culture scene growing on Long Island that I think is going to be one of the most revolutionary um, uh, uh, renaissance movements for you know the next five years. And he's a direct correlation to some of the efforts that we've been putting into um, the black and brown community, specifically millennials. So it's really just sharing that information and in a way that um, is uh, tangible and you can expound upon. And so it, it's really cool to see what's happening. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Dan. You know, I, so you're you know, Minority Millennials is a membership based organization, right? So you have I don't know how many members you have, but out of your members, do they want to stay here on Long, Long Island? Are they looking towards you know looking towards greener, cheaper pastures? Or is it a struggle for them? You know, how do they how how does the folks you know give me the the pulse of your of the folks in your group? Yeah, most of the membership wants to stay in Long Island. It's just is it literally you know possible. There's so many other vibrant areas now from Philadelphia to North Carolina to Austin, Texas, that have seemed to understand how to make a, um, a a livable region. And we haven't just quite figured it out yet. And so there is this frustration, but a lot of us grew up here. We're, we're born here. We believe in Long Island. And so there is this fight to just try to stay and maintain until uh, we can figure it out or until, quite honestly, where we have leaders like yourself, Matt, that the next generation <laughs> is getting into these positions of influence and inviting me. I don't know how many times you have invited me to an LA event that I probably wouldn't have gone to in the past just for a lack of knowledge. And then I'm able to share that knowledge with our demographic. So it's things like that that is spurring hope and um, also inspiration you know, to, to people to see all right, so now we are getting access to this and how to do this and how to maintain. So ultimately what that what what that creates is a shift in political will because we all know that's how you spur innovation, economic development and affordable housing. We have to show up and this is how we do it. Totally. And uh, before we go to break, I just, you know, personal story of mine, you know, I went to school in Philadelphia. Actually, I love Philadelphia. I uh, went to school in Philadelphia and I was really torn. I had like a, sl- I have like a sliding doors moment where I was either going to stay there and be a teacher or come back to Long Island and work um, for the Suffolk County executive. And you know what, uh, you know, I wound up getting offered you know, at the time when I was 22, what I thought it seemed like a lot of money uh, to work in the Suffolk County Executive's office, and the teaching thing wasn't working out yet. And so I picked 
uh, Long Island at the time. You know, it was 20, 18 years ago. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I think the best way to keep one of the best ways to keep a young person here, especially if they go to college and, and try to get them back, is to have a good paying job. Right. If I didn't have a good paying job waiting, not waiting for me, but a good paying job that I was able to get right after college, I might have, you know, messed around Philadelphia for a few more years. Um, so that, you know, goes back to what things that, you know, you're doing, Kelly, what you're doing, Dan, what we're doing at the Long Island Association, which is also to create a business environment that produces good paying jobs. So someone out of college, whether they're here or in college here or in Philadelphia, can get a job where they're, you know, not making minimum wage, but they're making, you know, I don't know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars, whatever, or higher. Name the number um, right out of college, and they can see the career ladder, and they can see. They just want. I think people just young professionals just want to see light at the end of the tunnel. They want to know that they're on an upward trajectory at work and that they're going to keep making money. And by the time they're ready to start a family, they're going to have the ability to do so. You know. So anyway, with that said, we're going to take a pause and take a short break. This podcast was produced by the EGC Group, Long Island's largest full-service marketing agency. Conveniently located in Melville, we offer strategic marketing and branding programs designed to grow your business from strategy to creative. Our results-driven services include digital marketing, traditional and online media buying, public relations, social media, content creation, and web development. Our clients include local businesses and national Fortune 100 companies. The EGC Content Studio, our in-house production facility, may be used to produce your social media videos, podcasts, and more. We're ready to be your trusted marketing partner. Visit egcgroup.com or call us to learn more and get a free digital audit. Just mention code LIFUTURE. The EGC Group, marketing and branding Long Island's best companies since 1985. And we're back. Um, really enjoying our conversation here with uh, Kelly Coglin Heck and Dan Lloyd, uh, two friends of mine and um, really two leaders in the business community, even at their young age. This time I'll start with you, Dan. What do you love about Long Island? Well, I love the summers. I mean, that's so cliche, but I just have always <laughs> had incredible summers. I was really big into playing basketball at our local parks. Uh, we still run an eight week long basketball league. You can you can sense when the summer is coming on Long Island. We have the, the most incredible beaches. So I would just have to say that everything that goes around uh, from Memorial Day to Labor Day is just it, that's what to me is the definition of Long Island. How about you, Kel? Um, agreed. I mean, I love I love being on the water and um, the proximity to my family. And uh, during COVID, actually, all all three of my sisters and their families moved back to Long Island. Um, so that's certainly been a that's cool pleasure yeah listen i i i really i truly believe there's no better place than long island it's the best place to be and to live and to raise your family it's just it's expensive yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know and, you know not everybody you know has the kind of money to stay here and like i said i ticked it off before when you're paying you know three thousand dollars or whatever for an apartment and then child if you have kids at that point child care and student loans and a car it's just it's just it's it's mind-boggling how anyone affords to live here um but anyway Kyle, I'll start with you this time. What message do you have for our elected officials and other leaders who can make a difference? What's your message in terms of what, what they should be doing for us? Well, you know, from a multifamily housing perspective, you know, the entitlement approval processes are oftentimes serving as the bottlenecks for the ability to increase rental housing supply and which would alleviate these affordability issues that we're, we're discussing today. And they're long and cumbersome processes. So I, I'd encourage elected officials and other leaders in our community to take take an active role in supporting 
smart housing development projects um, and to assist in whatever way possible to streamline the entitlement process to help make it more effective and, and efficient. Yeah, it's spot on. I have the same message for elected officials, too. We'd have more young professionals able to stay here and raise their families here if we had local governments that were, um, you know, allowing for that, allowing for more apartments and rental, you know, rental opportunities to happen. It's just not enough of it. Uh, Dan, what about you? Yeah, I would say to be bold. You know, innovation takes boldness. And um, we really need that for our region. And it's uncomfortable because change is uncomfortable. And, and Long Island has been a very comfortable place for a large group of people. And um, if we don't figure this out, it's going to be really hard for a lot of people, which is what we're starting to see. And I'm talking about from that higher income working middle class down. And that's going to affect a, a lot of the region's economic influence. And so I think we need boldness. We need elected officials that uh, will take a risk. And it, it might be a bad political hit for a moment, for a season, but the community will see that quickly and will will we'll start to gravitate towards that innovation. Right. You know what? My message is uh, show leadership, so, show courage, or else what, what are you doing? You know, why are you there in the first place, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. There's a statement I always like to say is that um, if you want things to stay the same, things will have to change. So it's kind of like an oxymoron, <laughs> but it's true. And we want Long Island to stay the same, but if we want that, it's going to have to change. Right, right. Um, so, all right, Dan, you plan on staying on Long Island? Oh, yeah, I'm here for the long run. Good. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, that's the hope. Awesome. Two for two. Now we got to get we got to got to get this message out. So, look, uh, Kelly, Dan, uh, it's been awesome talking to you guys. Uh, I know we'll be talking uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, we do a lot with TriTech, obviously, and we're doing a lot with minority millennials. And then on a personal level, um, you know, I'm really proud to be friends with both of you. So, uh, you know, we heard directly from two young professionals today about affordability and what they love about Long Island, what's going to take to stay on Long Island for them and others. And, uh, you know, I thought it was very illuminating. Uh, you know, we have a young professionals committee that I mentioned earlier at the LIA. Uh, it's a great group. Uh, like I said, Kelly's been in it. I think Dan's in it now, too. Right, Dan? I am yes. Okay, cool. Um, I know for I know from experience. I know Kelly's made some. You know, she's been in a long time. Uh, actually, developed some real friendships and some real professional connections through it. Right, Kel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that said, put episode three in the books. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned for episode four. <laughs>